Father, make it the cry of our heart. Make it the cry of our heart that we would be close to you. And that we would follow you step by step all of the days of our lives. Father, that's why we're here. That's why you put us here. I pray that you would open our eyes. That we would see and understand how much you love us. That we would see and understand, Father, that though the times may be tough and difficult and not easy and painful, that we can always rely on you. That you never, ever leave us. We're the ones that walk away, Father, not you. I just pray that as we look back at this last year and look forward to the coming year, that we would see that step by step you have been with us. And we know that step by step you will go with us from here forward. Thank you for your word and the promises in it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got some notes in here somewhere. There we go. Oh, boy. I don't know if everyone that's here this morning is saved and has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or not. And if you don't, some of what I say today won't make any sense to you. Some of it probably will. But for those that are saved, understand and realize that this is for you. This is for us to to take a moment. It seems kind of funny right on the heels of Christmas just being yesterday, but the next time we meet together here, unless you come Wednesday night to prayer meeting, the next time we meet, it's going to be next year. So we're going to take a look this morning. We're going to look backwards at the last year, and then we're going to look forward to next year and see what God has for us. But I, I pray that... Through it all, we will, we will see and understand and know that it's our responsibility to proclaim Jesus Christ. It should be the desire of our heart to proclaim Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. And the least we can do is to share with others. I've, I know I've used this quote recently Um, from Charles Spurgeon, he says, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. 
visit many good books, but live in the Bible. I'm going to put a little twist on that quote today for our message. Visit many good memories, but don't wallow in past failures. Okay? Visit many good memories, but don't wallow in past failures. Look at this past year. And and hopefully last year, about this time, you made some resolutions to do or maybe not to do. To do or not to do, to Pepsi or not to Pepsi, Mountain Dew, no. Anyhow, okay, that's one of mine, and I didn't do so well this past year on that one. Maybe, maybe. I'm not going to hold my breath, but maybe this next year will be a little better. But look at the resolutions you might have made last year. And then evaluate and consider how you did on them this year. There was probably some that you were a little more successful in than others. Hopefully not all of them were total failures. But that's all right, because if they were, you have a chance to make it right in this coming year, to look at them and to do it again. So consider and evaluate. And as part of that evaluation, not, not just on your New Year's resolutions from last year, but evaluate your spiritual life and look at what God has done for you this past year. I want you to take a piece of paper, and if anybody needs a piece of paper, I got some pads here. We can pass them around. I want to see a a piece of paper and a pen in everybody's hand, okay? Everybody's hand. So if you need paper or pen, raise your hand, and we'll get you whatever it is that you need. Anybody else? 
Somebody else? No, okay. What has God done for you in the last year? Now, as a church, we can immediately, it's easy to think of the addition that's happening and going on and how, how he's provided for that, that we've paid for it as we've gone, all in cash. There's no mortgage. There's no debt over it. That's a big blessing. You couldn't tell it today, but think of the, the new families that are coming. We've got a lot of young kids coming. That's a praise. I, I think I was counting the other day, and we have like, it's either 9 or 11 kids that are under the age of 5. We've got about 4 or 5 that are older than that. What a blessing. What a blessing. Because, and we, we talked about this, I know we talked about it with the search committee, three years, guys, we've been here three years. It may seem like 33 to you, but to us it doesn't hardly seem like three months. It's, but it's been three years in January already. Just crazy how quickly it's gone. To think of what God has done for us in the last three years. The health, he's protected us and, and seen us through the COVID for the most part. Okay, those, those are the big ones. Okay, but there's a lot of little ones that you need to be writing on your papers that God has done for you, for your family. We're all still clothed, aren't we? Doesn't look like any of us are starving. That's better than a pretty good sized percentage of the world. And if you drove here this morning or rode in a car, that just bumped you up even into another category. I think it's only like 4 or 5% of the people in the world that own a car. And you think of the big cities and all the millions of cars and this and that, and it makes you realize how poor and destitute most of the rest of the world is. This, is, this, this could be an exercise just as well done at Thanksgiving. But just to take a moment and, and reflect on what God has done for us. And while you keep writing, I'm going to light these because I forgot. And I thought of it five times. Just wanted to light those one last time to remember red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And the missions and the missionary letters that we read during Advent this year. Keep writing. One of the things that indicates that this is a good exercise, that this is something good to do, is if you remember the first book that we studied 
when Beth and I got here, we started in February of 19, was the book of Joshua. And several times, I forget the exact number, I think it was either seven or eight times throughout the book, that God directed them to take a, a, a rock, one from each tribe, and pile them up in a, in a memorial to, for, for his blessings to be remembered in the life of the nation of Israel. And repeatedly, they were to remember what God had done for them. And I know we, we started a little more last year after our No Regrets Men Conference, but one of the, the sayings that we like to remember is Rock Shazak. Rock Shazak. And that means in the Hebrew, be strong and courageous. Be confident in who God is and that He will provide and take care of every one of our needs. At Easter, we have a saying, He is risen. Okay, one more time. He is risen. I know your, your, your vocal cords aren't used to saying that because it's not March or April yet, but another one that we like to say that goes with that is, God is good all the time. Okay, let's pray. We don't do that one as often, so let's practice that one again. God is good all the time. There you go. Now, do you believe that? Or is that just a cute little saying, a little back and forth? I, I hope you listen to the words of our songs this morning. Because they're so true, so valuable, and so necessary to our lives. God is good all the time. So remember, as we look back at this last year, what has God done for you? Look back at your New Year's resolutions that you made last year. Any value? Take an honest evaluation. Don't beat yourself up over them. I'm not going to beat myself up over not getting rid of Pepsi this last year. I'll probably just go home and have another one. I know that wasn't very funny. I probably will. Visit many good memories, but don't wallow in past failures. Okay? Don't wallow in past failures. We, we are all human. We all, force, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we certainly all fall short sometimes of, of short-term goals that we have. We need to praise Him and have a grateful heart, remember what He has done for us. Now, as we transition from looking backwards to looking forward to this next year, turning God's words with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. And sprinkled throughout the message today, there will be more cliches or old sayings that we like to say. Bear with me. I guess if they weren't so useful or helpful, they wouldn't be cliches. We wouldn't say them all the time. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but 
not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you wish to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But if anyone should say to you, this meat is sacrificed to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean, not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jew or to Greek or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of money, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Don't, don't focus on the eating the meat part here. The verses I want to look at are, are at the beginning and at the end of that, although the principles in between are very important as well. Um, Verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. And then verse 33, excuse me, verse 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you, when, when you make those New Year's resolutions... And, and we're, I, I, I kind of like that this Sunday is, is the day after Christmas and you've got a whole week before New Year's to, to contemplate this, to pray and to ask God, God, what do you want to accomplish in my life this year? What do you want to accomplish in the life of our church this year? What do you want to accomplish in Newberry through the work of this church, through the work that God will do through this church? So that whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And I'll go back to our verse in in, uh, Matthew 5. It talks about being the light of the world and do your good works that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Not to give you the Newberryan of the year award or whatever, but that they would see your good works, and praise your Father's name, that they would glorify God because of what He is doing through you. So this year, determine that when you make your New Year's resolutions, that you will do it to the glory of God, that you will do it for Him. Not for other people necessarily to see, although for them to see it's not necessarily a bad thing either. But then in your heart and in your mind, that you will do and step forward and walk forward daily to glorify God. In the in the 90s, it, it started becoming unpopular to do... And it's kind of, I think we're still kind of in the hangover phase of it, though I I think some people are starting to shake out of it. Of not making New Year's resolutions. 
because everybody fails at them, right? So why bother? You're just going to feel, feel like a failure. And we started in our schools that, that we can't give kids F anymore because we don't want Johnny to feel like a failure. And if everybody comes and plays soccer, we'll give everybody a trophy, not just the first place team, because everybody's a winner. Well, I, think that, I think that's a flawed mentality. I think that's a flawed mentality. Because if Johnny doesn't do his homework and doesn't study, maybe Johnny needs to understand that he is a failure in that area. Not as a person, not in life he is not a failure, but maybe in mathematics Johnny needs to spend a little more time studying. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9 where it talks about run the race, but they they knew that only one would win the prize. And yet, you work hard, you focus, you strive, you push, so that you might win, you do your very best. That's what we always challenged our kids with. If you started soccer and you found out a couple games into the year that you really couldn't stand soccer, guess what? We made them play soccer through the end of that season. They were going to finish what they started. They didn't have to go back and play again next year. But what they started, I know we're the meanest parents on the whole globe, I'm sure. But what they started, they were going to finish. Now, we have had a couple of our kids come back to us over the years and say, why did you make us to be so responsible? <laughs> The living living situation, and I, I'm thinking of Erica just because she's the one that's here right now and leaving. Um, but she lived in a, a house with like 14 girls just off campus. It was called the Vineyard. It was through Navigators. And uh, some of the girls in the house, no other way to say it, they were just slobs. And it drove Erica nuts because she would want all the dishes to be clean in the kitchen. And she couldn't stand the mess that the girls would leave. So she would always be doing the dishes. Or or when none of the girls had cleaned the bathroom in six weeks, she would clean, you know. I mean, she didn't want to do it every week. Everybody is supposed to take their turn, right? But what we start, we need to finish. That never that always got me participation trophies. Hmm. But here, here you go with the cliches. If you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. If you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. And if you plan to fail, let me try that the other way. Let me say it the right way. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But I really like that one. If you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. And, and there is nothing that delights Satan more than for Christians to accomplish absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God. But we won't accomplish it if we don't aim at it. Because if we aim at nothing, that's what we'll hit. Nothing. And Satan loves that. He loves for the church of God to do nothing. 
Because then it's even easier for him to win in his eyes. Turn, turn in, in the scriptures to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I know when we started Acts, but for the couple months before, I was struggling whether to go to Corinthians or Acts. And, and we got a lot of verses in Corinthians today, and there's an awful lot of good stuff in Corinthians about practical Christian living. And I try to go back and forth between the Old and New Testament, but maybe when we get done with Acts, we might just slide right into Corinthians just because there's so much good stuff there on how we are to live our daily lives. But 2 Corinthians 4.18, and you're going to recognize these. I, 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 was, I had the idea and where I wanted to go with the message, and when Beth found that video for us to watch this morning, it just, it just kind of coalesced my ideas and, and just help me put it together but second and so you'll recognize these next three verses that we're looking at because they're right from the video but second corinthians 4 18 well let's back let's start in verse 16 verse 18 was the one from the video but verse 16 therefore we do not lose heart but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Is there anyone that would, would argue with that, that the outer man is not decaying? Kim, you're still young enough. You might argue with that. But I don't think there's any of the rest of us here. Even, even Stephen and Alicia, you guys are still pretty young. But you, you feel it. The body de- is decaying. Okay? Verse 17, for momentarily light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, for we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And Ron, I know it's, it's hard, but don't you, don't you and Betty grab onto that and just believe that? That that's where our hope is. This is a temporary tent. It's just a shell. Never forget my mom's funeral. I didn't want to go up and look in the casket. Didn't, didn't feel like there was any value to it. And, and my daughter, Christy, was there. And, uh, they were in Rhinelander when Mom passed. Christy said, come on, Dad, you'll, you'll, you'll be glad you did. And I went up there and I looked in. And, you know, they always say, oh, what a, what a, what a wonderful job the, the care undertaker took in, in making, them, making them up and making them look nice and that. And I looked in and there was just this empty shell there. It was at that moment that I realized beyond a shadow of a doubt, Mom was home in heaven. That that was just a shell that was there. It's just a temporary dwelling. Didn't even look like her. She died of a heart attack, so it wasn't like she was in an accident or had head surgery or anything like that. But it didn't even look like her. Not the mom I knew, because her spirit was home with the Lord. And that is a hope that we have is that eternal things, the things that we don't see with our human eyes. Eternity in heaven with God is, is something to look forward to. And this is just a temp- this is just practice, okay? This is just practice for heaven. 
It's our opportunity to be obedient to Him. It's our opportunity to learn how to praise Him in difficult times and difficult things. The earthly tent which, in which our, which is a, our house is torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We will live with Him forever. And when we've been there forever, it will have just started. Two, two things our junior theology professor taught us in Bible college that, that I still remember. One was, if you really want to blow your mind, just, just sit and focus and concentrate on eternity. Because of our, our minds are finite in our humanity. We, we cannot comprehend eternity. Because, as we know, we can, we can think as, I mean, as big as the galaxy is in that big you know, number, 52,000 light years to get across our end of the cul-de-sac. That's nothing. That's not even a drop in the beginning of eternity. And the other thing that he told us is, is now guys, this will blow your mind. He said, in eternity, we are already with God. Because God is eternal. Time is something that he made for us. I know that just hurt Terry's head. I can see her trying to process like, what? And that, that was something that the, the preacher boys probably went on and discussed in great length and di, di, diagrammed it and digressed it and tore it apart and tried to understand it in their finite minds. They're probably still trying to figure it out. But one day we will be with our Heavenly Father forever and ever. I resolve, and, and when you make your resolutions, these, the, the, the three verses that we're going to look at from this, from the video, are, are the basis and the principles of what I would love to ask you to consider this week as you make your resolutions for the new year. Use these three as, as basic principles and understanding. I resolve to fix my eyes on Jesus. We don't do stuff for ourselves. We do it for others because he told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we do do things for others. But in all things, we need to give God the glory and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. I resolve to fix my eyes on Jesus this year. One, make that one of your resolutions. But two, as you make other resolutions, let that be part of the basis of any that you make. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing, this this rolls back into the first one, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He sat down because the work was finished. He did it on the cross. 
he completed what was necessary for our salvation. He died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. I resolve to run the race marked out for me. 1 Corinthians 9. So go back to Corinthians. First Corinthians nine twenty four. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Everybody else didn't get a participation prize, okay? It says only one gets the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way, not as beating the air. But I bruise my body and make it my slave, lest possibly, after I have preached to others, I myself should not be approved. Nobody said it's going to be easy. It takes work. It takes effort. This may not go over big, but in my human nature, sin is fun. Otherwise, why would we do it? Why would there be the conflict between God and Satan? In the natural man, in my sinful life, sin is fun. It's easy. It doesn't take any effort. But to walk with the Lord and to fix my eyes on Jesus, I have to bruise my body. I have to work at it. It takes effort, great effort. To deny the flesh and to strive to please the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit and through obedience to Him. That's how we can please God. Is to be obedient to Him and to obey his truth. Visit many good books, but live here in God's word. It takes effort, folks. So don't think it's going to be easy. Nobody ever told us it was going to be easy. Luke 9.23 in closing. Luke 9.23 And he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I resolve to take up my cross daily. 
I'm not going to give you the reference to this passage until after I read it because I don't want you to turn to it. I want you to just listen. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he becomes as his teacher and the slave as his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. Therefore do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Do not fear, you are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. We have a responsibility to tell people about God. It's not an option or maybe or... But I'm not great at evangelism. Evangelism is not my gift. I don't believe it's one of my gifts. But that doesn't let me out of my responsibility to share my faith and to tell people about Jesus Christ. We all have that responsibility. Because if we will not tell the world about Jesus... Jesus will not tell the Father about us. Not my words. God's words. Right there. So as you you sit down this week, and I pray that you will, and plan for New Year's resolutions, I resolve to fix my eyes on Jesus. I resolve to run the race marked out for me. I resolve to take up my cross daily. And this year I resolve to do all to the glory of God. To do all that He expects of us. To all that He demands of us. That every piece of our being we will dedicate to Him that we will give to him in the coming year. We're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision.